You are listening to the Just Chill Parenting Podcast. I am your host, Rosie Davidson, an infant sleep consultant, author and mum of three. This is a show all about honest chat where I talk about my favourite topic, sleep, of course, but I will also be covering your burning parenting questions and speak to some very special guests along the way. So buckle up and enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Just Chill Parenting Podcast. I have a very special guest on today, my partner in crime, my rock, my husband and father of our three children. Welcome to Dan. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on. (laughs) I'm so happy that you agreed to come on the pod, actually. I think it's going to be a really interesting insight for the listeners to hear more about you, our dynamic together, how we parent and answer all the burning questions that they had for us. I also think often the emphasis when we have children is on the mother, but we need to remember that when a baby is born, a father is born too. Also, please bear with us because we are a little bit tired, which is ironic really, being that I'm a sleep consultant, because we had a little visitor in the night, didn't we, Dan? Yes, we did. A few (laughs) times, in fact. Yeah. Three. (laughs) Our middle child, who is seven, had a nightmare last night, or or maybe two nightmares. She had been reading a guided reading book from school, and it had something about flies and, like, their larvae and bacteria. it was was quite full-on, quite detailed, and uh, quite gory, lots of sort of (laughs) zoomed-in images of flies and, you know, what they get up to and how they kind of eat their food and... (laughs) Something clicked in uh, in our middle daughter and she did not like it. And yeah. she came and told us about it a number of times in the night. Yeah. So number one tip from this pod actually is don't expose your child to scary images before bed. So let's get started and answer everyone's burning questions. So I asked on my Instagram page, if you don't follow me over there, it's at just underscore chill underscore mama in case you haven't seen it and uh, lots of you sent in some questions for us via Instagram so I've tried to group them a little bit but let's see how we go so this is a question for Dan how did you feel during and after birth was it scary of course, it is like scary, and obviously, you know, you have sort of um, the, the the months leading up to the birth. Obviously, you just want everything to be fine, the checks, and and um, you know everything to be going as, as you would hope. But I guess where I was in a, a quite a good advantage is that Rosie was quite informed about the process, very passionate about being a mum, and had a real kind of positive mindset, which I guess gave me a positive mindset and as long as she was confident that kind of made me think well it's going to be okay. I think well if we look back to our first birth with our our eldest who is coming up to age 11 actually in the spring so 11 years ago when I was pregnant for the very first time I was I would say really prepared and I had a a really thorough birth plan. Do you remember my birth plan? And I gave you all the notes and the instructions. I was like, if they ask me about pain relief, say no. Yeah. Um, And I was very kind of specific about what, how it was going to go down the birthing pool, et cetera. Yeah. And I did have a vaginal birth with our first and 
it went pretty smoothly when I actually when I actually gave birth. I was on a birthing stool, and Dan was very kindly supporting me. <laughs> in he were you sat on a chair behind me? Yeah, there was kind of like an armchair, and the the new midwife that sort of came in for the morning shift because it had gone through the night, and um, she she decided that we should probably be a bit more connected. So she put you on a stool between my legs, sort of facing away from me. That's how we birthed our first. But um, probably about, I don't know, half an hour into this process, I needed a wee. And I sat there <laughs> needing a wee for about two hours. Oh, my God. So I was just sat there kind of just like, and you know, I'm conscious that I had sort of had a little nap in the night. And um, I don't know, I'd been on the edge of things, like particularly when you're in the pool. Yeah. Um, and there was kind of, you know, crowded by these two sort of midwives and I was kind of on the edge of things. So it felt like it was my time to step up so I couldn't say that, look, you can we tired. move? Because I need a wee. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so yeah, because you needed a wee. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was the first birth was, I would say, a really lovely process until my placenta wouldn't come out and then I was rushed yeah. to theatre. Thankfully, the obstetrician kind of managed to, for want of a better phrase, yank it out. I had a, another contraction, didn't I? And I, I yeah. said... Like, I walked in as it was happening as well. It was quite a sight. Um, <laughs> I would say overall, first birth was pretty... Went pretty smoothly. And for our second and third babies, they were both C-sections. And the second child was a semi-emergency. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't classify it as an emergency. I had something called polyhydramnios, which is excess fluid. Her head couldn't engage. So she was transverse. Then she was breached. Then she was transverse. Transverse means when they're laying across you. And she just couldn't get her head down. There was so much fluid. And they were really worried about cord prolapse. And I went in for my last scan with her and they said, you need to stay in and have a section. But we were the first in in the morning. So it was kind of, it was semi-planned. So I wouldn't say it was emergency. So it didn't feel too scary. I think it felt, I felt apprehensive. I'm sure you did as well, because it was all new. First yeah. time you were ever in scrubs. Well, exactly. And it was just such a different environment. Like, obviously, in your own kind of room and you've got the pool next door and there's just two you know midwives, you know, supporting you through that process. But when you have a C-section like this... It's like an operation and there's like... Yeah, it feels a serious, it, doesn't it? It feels like a really serious surgery. Should I even be in here? We've got it's, a great picture, I remember. Yeah, we've got as an as, amazing as, picture uh, of her coming out. Yeah. And baby B, our third, was also sectioned because interestingly, he was also transverse. I think he couldn't move because he was so massive. Yeah, big baby. <laughs> so he was a big baby. He was eight pounds nine and he was three weeks early. So he was big. So part of this question was, how did you feel after? Like, was it scary after the births? I guess meeting your babies for the first time. Yeah, it, it was It was nice. It's everything you, you would expect it to be. I think we were lucky the first time out that we had that kind of, that intimate setting of a room of our own. I even had a bed, like, next to yours. I mean, when you think about it, Barnet rejected us, didn't they? The, the, the hospital we were supposed to be going to. Yeah. And we wound up in Enfield, so... We were in a place we didn't expect to be and we didn't even really know we were supposed to go to when we got there in the car. But yeah, once that... we were there, I think we it was for the best. It must have been a reason for that because we got a room of our own and, and a nice setting for 
after the birth. Yeah, we were really lucky. So our first, we had her in a birth centre. So if you're in the UK listening to this, um, there are birth centres um, that you can go to and they are for when you're midwife led. So we were really lucky that that was quite straightforward. So we've experienced a bit of both. Moving on, did you decide before birth how the nights would be handled or shared? I would be honest and say no. I feel like we were kind of prepared in terms of we'd done antenatal classes, we'd looked into all the information that we could find, but I certainly wasn't a sleep expert at the time. This was way before I got into it. And this is if we're talking our first baby. And I think my only frame of reference was my sister who'd had babies before me. And she'd said, and I really remember this actually, she'd said that her husband would stay up after she'd gone to bed with the baby so she'd get a bit of time and I think we did try and do yeah. that a little bit yeah I think it was sort of difficult at first because there was such a bond between you and our first that it was tricky for me to kind of do any soothing I'd wanted to it would be tricky to soothe our baby if she woke I think because I was breastfeeding and it was all very new to us and actually our first baby I had quite a lot of problems breastfeeding her she was born with one of her nostrils was blocked and I think she really struggled to to latch on one of the breasts and therefore it just wasn't emptying properly and now on retrospect now I know a lot more about feeding and I fed two other babies her latch just she just wasn't latching she was nipple feeding and then I got lots of damage but I was very much like so into it and I felt like this massive weight of responsibility that I should be doing this settling at night and I really took over I think yeah and actually you got quite unwell as well didn't you yeah I did process which which made it quite stressful yeah I did so I had I got mastitis I think two weeks in and then just repeatedly kept getting it and I kept just going with it and I was in pain and very sore, I remember. Oh, she gosh. did quite a lot of damage to your nipples, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, and I did get help, but I think I got it a little bit too late. So I eventually did get a lactation consultant. But by that point, my nipples were so damaged, it was just really stressful. So at that time, Dan was kind of... Tr- you were trying to get involved. And I remember your brother, so Dan's brother is a GP, and I remember him having a word with you saying, look, if she's going to get better, because I was on antibiotics and just not sleeping, he said, you need to just take that baby for a bit. Yeah, and you did, and of you course. did, but it would come to a point where it's like she just needed the boob. And I mean, what are you going to do at that point? So certainly with our youngest baby, baby B, quite early on, we introduced a bottle and you would do a bedtime feed with him. So we introduced a bottle with him when he was about three weeks old. I was looking back on some photos trying to work out when it was. So we were at that point, I was expressing in the morning for you to give him a feed, which meant that I got a good chunk of sleep at night. Yeah. So that kind of felt a bit more organised. And then as he got older, we did get to a point where Dan would do 3am feed. Yeah. So did, did I take him sort of late at night and have him for like yeah. three hours and then I'd see and how far go back I could to bed. get. Yeah. And then obviously I'd, I'd try and hand him over as late as possible and sort of like have a target in mind. I seem to remember it being like around like three, four, five, whatever I could do to give you that good chunk to rest. Yeah. And then obviously know that at the end of that, I would be rewarded with a little little two or three hours sleep. sleep. (laughs) 
on my own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we were a bit more organised. And also, I think once you've done it before and then you know how it's going to go, you know that eventually they are going to sleep through the night and you are going to get those long chunks of restorative sleep back. So you know it's kind of temporary. Whereas I think when it's your first baby, it feels like sometimes like, oh my God, what have we done? Yeah, yeah, there is that kind <laughs> of shock. Looking back, do you feel you did enough when they were babies? Uh, I think I've probably done more as we've gone on. There's such a different mindset from your first to your third where it's this really sort of fragile little person. I remember kind of even sort of being nervous how to to hold our first baby and, you know, and, and obviously support her head and just felt like such a delicate little thing but as you know as it's worn on you just kind of get more hands on I think and faced it before so you know what to expect. I think that's kind of confidence but also experience and I think the confidence comes with experience. I know certainly with me like handling I remember even handling our first and being like oh my god she's so delicate am I going to break her and I mean, obviously you need to support the head and things like yeah. that. And you're always aware of that with all of them. But I, I remember think... making like uh, that sort of baby sofa. <laughs> sort of this sophisticated pillow system that kind of... Um, so she just, could slip yeah, up under so, your arm yes, so you were comfortable. So it gave my arm comfort. Because that, that's one thing I don't tell you is that they destroy your arm and shoulder when you're kind of cradling and putting, giving them their milk and stuff and holding them. So yeah. I kind of fashioned a sort of pillow kind of uh, arrangement that made life a bit easier when, uh, when I was g- giving her her milk. Yeah. So with the first baby, I stopped breastfeeding. I think she was seven weeks old. So then Dan would have taken over kind of 50-50 of the feeding, maybe. Obviously not when you were at work, but um, when you were around. Someone has asked this and I had to include it because I think it's quite funny. Well, it depends on where you look at it. Did you also consider divorce in the first few months? Lol. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) No, but I would say that it's really common for couples to be pushed to the limit. When you're tired, there's nothing worse. When you're absolutely exhausted and you're trying to navigate something brand new that you've never done and to try and navigate that together, it's not easy and you can stop communicating as well, I think. Yeah. I guess for me, the painful part for me was that there was such an obvious like sort of mother-baby bond that that I couldn't really kind of, sort of penetrate myself and kind of get involved and and even perhaps if um, I was, was holding our baby and Rosie would go in the other room or, or go to the shops or something like that, I would get a bit panicky that if if she was to get upset that I wouldn't be able to soothe her. Yeah. I didn't have the the tools, the boobs or whatever, or that connection, that kind of um, maternal connection with the baby that could kind of um, put her at ease. Yeah, it's difficult. And I think for many couples, often with the mother, they're quite reluctant to leave because of that. But also the, the father potentially, or the partner, is also scared in that situation. But I think that it just, it comes with time and sometimes... It just needs to be like a baptism of fire where you just say, I need to go and do this thing. I need this time to myself. I'm just going to go and they will work it out and they will. And at the time, it feels like there's something terrible could happen. But actually, what's the worst that's going to happen? They get upset and they've got a loving caregiver trying to soothe them. 
Yeah, it's true. But I guess um, you're not attuned to all the different cries. So when they're crying, you think they're like really distressed. But like <laughs> sometimes they just kind of, well, they just cry as, as, you, as you'll Babies know or do find cry. out. Yeah, this is that's the how thing. they talk, isn't it? So Babies you kind of cry. have to get used to that. And people, I mean, obviously crying is uncomfortable for anyone to listen to. And that could be a whole other episode. But babies will cry when they're tired, they're hungry, overstimulated, understimulated, just want a cuddle. And we can only do as much as we can do to stop that. So did you feel rejected when your babies came along? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I felt maybe more a little bit kind of helpless and kind of that you couldn't do more quite stereotypical isn't it that that the dad takes the back seat but it's not as as simple as all that because they're kind of forced into the back seat and it's just how they kind of make their way back into the front and I think that just happens over time yeah exactly so this one is kind of for both of us what do you wish you'd known before you became a parent oh god do you want the honest answer yes (laughs) yes honest well I I certainly didn't realize it was going to be as hard but it's very rewarding. It's kind of one of those equal measure things. It's, it takes a lot of you, it takes your sleep, it takes a big part of your spare time that you used to afford to other things, your interests and pursuits and things. But I mean, if somebody told you all of that, you probably would have a completely different approach to even going about having a baby. But I think in some ways it's better not to know some of the stuff that's to come because I, it's just really tricky to answer. I'm sort of floundering here, but like... Um, I know what you're saying and I think... Well, anyone who's expecting a baby, don't be too scared. But I think that having a child is all-consuming. And yeah. sometimes, before this happens, you kind of... Somebody was asking my Instagram the other day, like, what do you think about when people say babies, like, fit in around your life? And I was like, they actually don't. No, you, they take over. And they actually... They, do you know what? They deserve. They deserve to have you know, a life that suits them as well because they are a a whole new person and you're getting to know them like any other relationship, but that they come with a lot of struggle, but also a lot of joy. And to get, to get the highs, you have to have the lows and you wouldn't have the highs without the lows because otherwise it's just, everything's just average, if that makes sense. And the joy that we get from our children is unprecedented. Like some of the moments when they, do something that's really cute or they achieve a milestone or the first time they say like b says love you love, love you. you yeah yeah it's love you, you sort of cling on love to those you, daddy yeah and then um, you use that in your kind of vocabulary sort of afterwards when you yeah. can stop saying love you <laughs> love you <laughs> love you instead um, but yeah i mean taking the question from a slightly different angle what i i didn't i didn't expect to have girls and i had two i come from a like a family of of boys um i'm the youngest of three boys my dad was the middle of, of three boys so that we were a run of lo- very male households so like um having a, a girl and then another girl that took some adapting to and you know learning way more about sort of women from a young age um than than i would have done beforehand yeah, that's really interesting. It's one of the questions that was coming up that somebody asked was, how do you feel about being a girl dad? Or how did you feel about being a girl dad before you had baby B? And I think in some weird way, like you were expecting to have a boy. Yeah, so I kind of, from a young age, I always kind of like envisioned having my son, taking him to the football, dad and lad feeling and having a girl is different. But I, I think that, 
in some ways it just enriched the process for me because it was all new. To get Baby B last means that I've got the best of both worlds. But the, the, the bond that I have with, well, with both my daughters, but my eldest daughter, you know, is, is really strong. And I kind of uh, gives you more of an appreciation of um, what young girls are like and how they think and, and how they view the world very differently to boys. Yeah. And now she's kind of a tween now. So we're yeah. kind of, it, this is new territory for us in terms of like social interaction and yeah. just how she's becoming a little person. So it's very different to obviously when they were babies. Actually, the girls have said to me, what would you have done if B was a girl? And I was like, I'd be happy. <laughs> I didn't mind. I'm like, I, do you know what? I don't mind. Like gender and gender, gender disappointment is a real thing. And I don't want anyone out there to feel judged or feel bad about wanting a particular gender because there's nothing wrong with it. But I genuinely didn't mind either way with all of my babies, with all my pregnancies. I was just happy to have a baby. Any advice for men after birth, adapting to the change, feeling pushed out, and remaining supportive. Obviously, we kind of covered some of this, but if you've yeah. got any advice for other dads out there, it's a real sort of sort of shock when it when you first have the baby. There's that like sort of cute sort of honeymoon period, and the baby just does quite a lot of sleeping, and and you know, and obviously people come round, you get all the cards and everything, and and it's all nice. It does get harder before it gets easier to give men hope or expectant mums that like it does get easier uh, as, as it wears on and you get into your little routine and there's not as many surprises as there are at the beginning. I would also say, I know this question wasn't really for me, but if you are struggling when it comes to sleep, obviously newborns are their whole kind of own challenge and it's going to be a very individual journey depending on your baby and your family and we do have resources for newborns. We've got our 0 to 5 months online course. I've got my book. We do do calls for that age group now as well. But if you get to a point and you're really struggling with sleep and you feel like sleep is the thing that's not even the elephant in the room, the thing that's all consuming and it's really affecting your family and your relationship, please reach out because we can help. And this is what we do. If you know my story, you might not know my story, how I got into this business. Basically, our first daughter wasn't sleeping very well. She got to around six months and we sleep trained her essentially. And that's how my whole business was born and it changed our lives. I think we went from me being a shell yeah. <laughs> and you'd get home from work and I'd just be like crying and suddenly we had this amazing routine she was sleeping and mm. I don't know if you agree but I would say our whole lives changed from that moment yeah I'd go along with that a sort of big sort of paradigm shift you get you get that sleep back then you're more rested and more sort of positive and can kind of see the sort of the light in it but yeah getting that routine was huge for us and, yeah and all those we weren't a million miles away but I guess what we didn't realize is um that they don't sleep all day and all night and you've got to kind of work that out. Yeah, and I think <laughs> I was trying to get her to sleep too much in the day. Do you remember we'd rock her in the buggy? Yeah, oh God, pushing it backwards and forwards. Backwards. <laughs> we didn't know what else there, to there do. There was a lot of kind of crazy things that we were doing when I, when I reflected, we spoke about this many times, but the whole dummy thing and, and we take it in turns to lay on the bed and be on kind of dummy watch. Yeah, it was 
It was a challenge, let's put it that way. I don't know about you, but I need a little breather. We'll be back in a moment where we'll dig a little deeper into more of your questions. This episode is brought to you by Just Chill Baby Sleep, their number one infant sleep consultancy in the UK and beyond. We really love sleep and we want you to have all the information that you need about sleep at your fingertips. Our award-winning self-led online courses can banish those bad nights and leave you feeling calm and in control and most of all, well rested. For more information about our online courses and one-to-one support, please go to justchillbabysleep.co.uk. Listeners can also use the code JCPP for 10% off any online course or bundle. So sleep well. Let's talk a bit more about our relationship. We've had so many questions about this. So let's get started with these. Has your relationship changed since having children? Well, of course it does because the the focus is different. But I wouldn't say by a great deal, to be honest with you. I think it's brought us closer together in terms of working as a team. You have to be united now with with three kids in our world. um, You certainly need to kind of um, be singing from the same hymn sheet, uh, else they'll kind of find a, the point of weakness and go for that won't they <laughs> I think also for us we've obviously been having kids for the last 10 11 years yeah so I think that your relationship does naturally change and progress over the years anyway but I would say overcoming challenges together as a team can really bring you closer together and can make you feel like we can take on the world I mean we've just got back from a holiday Um, to Dubai we were very lucky to go there and we enjoyed the sunshine but bloody hell that journey was so long when we got back and the last bit like we were driving home from the airport and we I felt like we were really like close in that moment the kids were all asleep in the back of the car and I was like we've got through that we got through a long haul flight with three children and we made it and then in that moment there was almost like this serenity (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was kind of late at night and, you know, the roads were fairly clear. We were listening to, listening to something. Sort of uh, chilled, chilled out radio or just chill radio yeah. or something. <laughs> haven't got a radio station. Not an yet. ad, not an ad. <laughs> um, I felt that was like a challenge. So I would say we've changed in terms of we've both developed and grown, but I don't think it's changed for the negative. I think it's changed for the positive, probably. I think your job has helped us to... Um, be together as a team because of all the sort of like the background reading and research and just because you're in this world mm. it means that you kind of bring well this is the the common sense approach well such and such a book sort of says this is the way to do it and so we're always kind of going from a position of strength with you being quite informed and well read around the area of, of babies and children and, and parenting so that's kind of helped me so I'm always kind of picking and pulling on that and applying it to how we parent our children. So this is quite difficult. I don't know if I have an answer to this, but what's the most common thing that you disagree or argue about? What we disagree or argue about genuinely, it's really silly things like dishwasher or you taking your trainers off in the front room, even though you then caught me doing the very same thing yesterday. Dan Dan took a photo of my trainers in the front room and sent it to me on WhatsApp because I'd had a go at him the day before for taking his trainers off in the front room rather than the hall. So 
it's silly things like that. I don't think we sweat the big things. I think big things we tend to agree on, really. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, the challenge of having three kids at very different ages. Mm. We're always kind of having to get into headspace of three very different people and kind of like work out what's best for their individual needs. Mm. So leading on from that, does Dan always agree with how you parent? Early on, I had sort of questions and, and, and stuff about waking babies that were sleeping things like that. Yes, and I remember that now. It would, it would annoy me. And I remember you'd say, right, well, it's only half an hour. And as it was, I was kind of like, this feels a bit bit mean. Yeah. So, <laughs> But I once you got those chunks of sleep and you had a, like a 7-7 seven, seven baby, you don't argue. I guess you've got all those old school kind mm. of philosophies, probably those older parents and grandparents kicking around that will have their thoughts on these things. And you find yourself changing what you would would expect was the norm. Yeah, that old chestnut, never wake old, a sleeping yeah, baby. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say it, but I thought I'll let you say it. Yeah, never wake a sleeping baby. Not true. I'll tell you a few reasons why. Number one, you may have a small baby who is struggling to feed and they might be born quite sleepy, they might be jaundiced, and there's reasons why we might want to wake them to feed them. But also... I think in a scenario we're talking about, you might have a baby who is sleeping too much in the day, therefore it's impacting their nights, or they might not be ready for bedtime or their next nap. So I think Dan's talking about if it would have been half an hour, you're probably remembering when one of the babies, whoever, <laughs> was doing a morning nap, let's just say at nine o'clock, and I was saying, no, they need to be up after half an hour because otherwise they won't be ready for the lunch nap. If they're not ready for the lunch nap, they won't be up in time to have enough awake time before bedtime. So it kind of all, it all follows on. And obviously I do what I do. So I knew what to do, but it can be quite difficult when you've got people saying, oh no, don't wake them up. They're so peaceful. Yeah. When actual fact, if they have a three hour nap, they're not going to go to bed or they're going to wake up in the night and have a split night and be awake for an hour in the night, which is not all we want. Yeah, and it stands to reason, doesn't it? If, uh, if I had like a three hour sleep in the afternoon, I probably wouldn't get the best night's sleep either. So... Kind of going back to household stuff, really. How do you juggle chores in your home? Uh, we kind of share it. We do. I've been cooking for quite a long time now. I like doing it. You don't particularly like doing no. it anymore. So we've kind of uh, had a switcheroo there in terms of what quite a lot of households would be like. But I, I quite enjoy cooking. Do you know what? I was thinking this the other day. It's really interesting that there's almost like stereotypical couple where the woman does the cooking but actually when you look at it a lot of the professional chefs are men yeah I guess that is true I think that um when this all switched really was during lockdown because you were around more and you started doing the cooking and you took over and actually you realized true. you're a much better cook <laughs> and you enjoy it more I don't enjoy it I really like cooking and actually I used to do quite a lot of cooking content on my social media I've stopped that because obviously I'm not doing the cooking but I always was looking for healthy food and I've always been quite keen for us to have a healthy diet but beyond that and doing things that are quick and easy I wasn't really interested so it's really nice that Dan does the cooking I think things like washing we kind of share it and tidying I would love to live in a pristine what do you say? Like a hospital box is what I would like to live in with white walls. Mental institute. 
I would like it to be literally like a minimalist home. I yeah. hate clutter. I hate mess. And interestingly, I don't know if that's because it makes me feel stressed or if it's that it's like a projection of me having a good day if things are tidy. I don't know. But um, it's a constant battle. But that's probably the one, going back to a previous question, we argue about because, you know, three kids do, do make it hard to have this uh, pristine home. Yeah. And it's not real. It's not realistic, but I like it to be tidy, but we kind of share that sort of thing. I feel like the division of labour in our home is quite equal. And if you're someone who's listening, you're thinking that's not the case for us, but I'd like it to be. I think it's worth a conversation and communication is really key in all of this. And I think we've learned and we're still learning. Nobody's perfect, but we've learned to try and have those conversations in a calmer environment. Like if there's something that's not working, like to try and be calm and try and explain it to the other person. Obviously, you're going to get better results that way. If you're sort of screaming and shouting at each other, it kind of you just both dig in, don't you? So you've got to try and find common ground. What is it like being married to a sleep consultant and a parent to three kids? There's a lot of talk about sleep. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> we are a sort of sleep-obsessed house. I, I, I guess you and I are kind of quite night hours as well. So um, getting all the sleep that we need as much as, as the kids as well is... Uh, it's always about. Yeah, it's difficult because both of us, and it's really interesting, I was thinking about this the other day, before we had children, because we're both night owls, we would have happily stayed up watching TV till like one, two in the morning. And if it was the weekend, like waking up at 10, 11. Yeah, and good old days. <laughs> I, th I think that when you become a parent... One of the hardest things, if you're a night owl, is having children who wake up early. And early, our kids actually don't wake up crazy early. Um, before we went on holiday, they're waking up at like eight o'clock, which was too late really to get ready for school. But since we've come back, baby B's been waking up about half six, which for me feels like the middle of the night, even though for most people, that's kind of a respectable time. But being a night owl is really hard when you have children and... I think we manage, but we would much prefer it if we could get up later. And some, so some people are night owls, some are morning people, early birds, and some are in between. And that's called our sleep chronotype, if you're interested in looking it up and finding out a bit more about it. But working with your chronotype is really helpful. So I tend to have quite a slow morning and I wouldn't, for example, go and do a workout really early in the morning. And I know a lot of people do that to get it in in their day they might get up at half five and go and do a workout before the kids get up literally i can't think of anything worse no i couldn't work out at that time i'm much better mid to late morning or or later even yeah early mornings are hard with kids and sleep is definitely a priority in our household this is an interesting one do yours or his friends or acquaintances try to get lots of free sleep advice any awkward combos not anymore. <laughs> I think we have had people ask. Yeah, and I think we've been pretty good about kind of fielding it. There's there's a balance. I think we've helped quite a lot of people, haven't we? A lot of our friends, actually. Yeah. So Alex and Sophie, Sarah and Dev. These are like some of our best friends. We've helped them with their kids. But I think there's a difference between just like a relaxed chat 
to actually delving deep into it. And on the most part, you do need to delve deep because you can't really give a simple answer without asking 100 questions. And to do a good job, you need to do a lot of discovery and have a sensible conversation in an an environment where people are invested in it. So over dinner or when you're in a pub or something is not an ideal situation to be giving sleep advice anyway. But also, we said this before, if, for example, I was a plumber, would people say, can you come round and fit a new bathroom for us for free? No. (laughs) They probably wouldn't. But equally... We'd be lucky to find one. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) But we have had people ask, but equally, I think all of our friends are very respectful So another question, how do you get time together? Not many people to babysit for our little one. That's somebody asking that. How do we get time together? I guess the evenings. And um, this is where if you want some time together, then you need to kind of put your foot down about getting your kids to bed for a certain time, having a time in mind. And we sort of discuss this as the sort of the bedtime is wearing on because as, as, as a lot of you will understand that School runs in the morning and bedtimes at night are the two big battles that play out in the week. (laughs) Hardest Um, time of the day. We've now been, what, targeting like 8pm for them all to be in bed. Yeah. And if you do that, then you have that time together once they are in bed or, or that time to go to the gym or in my case, like sort of have a mix or whatever. So just in case people are wondering, what do you mean by having a mix? Uh, Well, my hobby is turntable mixing. I like mixing drum and bass. I've always kind of liked it from a young age. So uh, I bought some decks during COVID and um, been going back and buying a lot of vinyl from from my time of growing up and going out. And that's kind of my my time off. It's your hobby, isn't it? Mm. It's nice for you to have something that you can go and do. And I'd say my hobby is probably the gym. Gym. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But having, I think that having time to yourself is really important and making time together as a couple as well I think that we could do more kind of date night type things but similarly to this person we we do have grandparents available but we don't necessarily have babysitting on tap like I feel like it's quite an ask for them nowadays and we would have to probably pay a babysitter so therefore it makes a night out really expensive apart from anything else. So we don't have like loads of date nights, but I would like to do more, I think. Like maybe go to the cinema would be nice. Yeah, we haven't been for ages. I haven't been to the cinema for ages. Before we had kids, um, we lived, you know, in central London, we had a cinema right round the corner and we used to go and watch films all the time. Every Sunday we watched a film. Yeah, loved it. Yeah. So a kind of different question. What do you think is the most useful baby product we have used over the years i'll answer this one one product that i always recommend and whenever whenever i recommend it on instagram it sells out on amazon is the amber reading light so everyone in our house has one of these they clip on you can use them during the night with a baby so for nappy changes or night feeds but also the girls have them as well so that if they need the toilet in the night or if they have a bad dream like last night or your reading, like I use it for reading as well. So I would say that is a really useful product and it's on my Amazon shop if you're interested. So Dan, I think we're kind of coming towards the end of this podcast and I've really enjoyed it, but I want to ask you, what is your best bit of advice 
for dads out there who are listening, who are maybe expecting a baby or they're in the trenches of sleep deprivation, what would be your best bit of advice? Go to the Just Chill page. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, get support. And actually, do you know what? Do some reading around the subject. I think that's probably something I was a bit kind of, I wouldn't say lazy on, but kind of I could have probably been better read I wasn't very well read around the um the NCT stuff so I was I came into that quite kind of uh rusty NCT he means antenatal classes in case you don't know that that particular type yeah it is hard at the beginning but then it, it gets easier as you as you go on and I've not said that before but it, it, it's so true and it is super rewarding and rewarding in a different way your life changes but I think for the better, I, I kind of view it as like um, you kind of go back to the beginning and you could become a bit childlike yourself as well. So you're kind of reborn. Um, and that's a nice journey to go on with a child and just to see them kind of and all their innocence and purity and the, the way they see the world. And it kind of um, sort of recalibrates your mindset a bit. So I think that's one of the best things I've found about being a parent. Um, and on that journey, it's just kind of like... Um, becoming a bit childlike yourself again oh that's really nice I think you're really good at playing with the kids much better than me I feel like sometimes you bring a different energy the play fighting and like the the games and things I think you have a really nice approach to all of that where I kind of don't feel that space so that's that's really nice and Dan was saying about reading around the subject I have my book the Just Chill Baby Sleep book best-selling book which covers the first 12 months so anyone who's expecting please read it because it will really help you and I love it when we have dads come to us a one-to-ones where dads are involved and families work as a team I feel like it's so much more of a smooth process to have everyone aligned rather than kind of the dad being left out and not really knowing what's going on. I think it can be really helpful to have them as part of it as well. And the last question that I'm going to cover that somebody asked was, are you super proud of each other's successes? Well, I'll start. and Yeah, unquestionably um, proud of, of, of what Rosie's achieved in like quite a short space of time. Um, not many people will know this, but like we started working together like many years ago and 15 years ago. Yeah. And, and, um, neither of us really knew what our our career trajectory was. And I don't think Rosie knew that it would be what it became, but it's been interesting having see her fulfill like sales roles, marketing roles in her own private life, being very kind of, um, um, social media savvy and, um, and obviously the, the prime driver is that she knew she wanted to have um, children from pretty much like and as soon as we got together, she, it was very clear that that was like going to be part of our lives. And then for this job to kind of lasso together, it's kind of, um, I don't know, it's almost like she was auditioning for it and she didn't realise that this was what it was to be. But Aww. now she does it. It's kind of very obvious that it, this is where the world she's supposed to be in. Oh, that's so nice to hear. Um, I would also say I'm massively proud of Dan. I think Dan is an amazing dad who takes it in his stride, who supports our children when they need it, who's very flexible and open-minded and caring and loving. And yeah, I've just really enjoyed this chat. I think it's been really nice. Yeah, me too. It's, um, I don't know, you don't often talk like this, do you? Pull it apart and kind of uh, look back on the times, the beginning, what it was like before and, and, and how we are now. 
Yeah, and look to the future, the next part, the next chapter of parenting. Exactly. <laughs> so I hope you've all enjoyed the episode. Please remember to review, rate and subscribe to the podcast. It means the absolute world to have you listening. I'll be back soon with more parenting problems, rants, sleep information and loads more. Sleep well. Sleep well.